I am so thankful for our church family. Somebody said it best this week as we were talking about this weekend and what it would be like and how we can best respect each other and uh, deal with all that's going on around us. And they said, I am so glad to be a part of Memphis Christian Church during this season that we're in. Now, I'm always glad to be a part of Memphis Christian Church, but I hope that you guys are because there's no better family. There's no better family than to, than to be part of this family that loves you and is concerned about you, both physically, but equally, and if not more importantly, spiritually. And so tonight, as we jump into this series, we're going to dive straight in here in a minute. I want you to know that if God is not leading the way in your life, I hope that by the end of this message, that you will not just consider him, but that you will choose him to lead your life from this point forward. So let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for these people that we can come and be in the midst of where we share our love and our passion for you. And Father, for those who have come seeking tonight, I pray that they found you in the eyes of those who met them at the door or who offered them their, uh, the seat that they normally sit in tonight. And Lord, um, we just continue to look to you to lead us, your people, but to also be the one that leads our nation, our country, our community, our teachers and administrators. Lord, in the midst of all that's going on, would you please, Father, would you please guide them, comfort them, give them courage and the strength that they need. Father, for those who have turned their backs on you, and, and Father, as a country, we've done this. We've done this, Lord. We ask your forgiveness, just as you commanded in the Old Testament, and just as you've proven in the New, that if we will turn our hearts to you, that you'll forgive us and that you'll heal our land. Lord, heal us from the inside out. We love you, and it's your love for us that compels us to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Before David Bigelow came on staff as our teen minister, and if you don't know uh, Bigelow, Bigelow was uh, David. He stood up here earlier and welcomed you into the service, and he's going to guide you out later. But before he came, I had the privilege of teaching the middle school students. Nobody ever wants to teach the middle school students. I love the middle school students. And on Wednesday nights, we gathered like we do now for midweek, but it used to be called Awana, and I had about 10 or 12 middle school students. This was seven, eight years ago. And this particular night, we were out in the shelter house. It was nice weather, and we were out there. And we opened the scripture that we're looking at tonight in Exodus when God led the Israelite nation out of bondage in Egypt towards the promised land, this new beginning, this new normal that he was leading the people to. And that night, as we sat out in the shelter house, we read this passage of Scripture. In chapter 13, verse 22 of Exodus, By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Now in chapter 14, the Israelite nation is confronted in their travel with their first big physical barrier. You know what it was? It was the Red Sea. 
And as they came to the sea that, that seemed to surround them, behind them they could hear the roar, they could see the dust of the Egyptian army in hot pursuit. You see, after the Lord had persuaded uh, the Pharaoh to let the people go, to let his Hebrew nation go, he, uh, he hardened his heart again. And so the Pharaoh set out after the people. And in chapter 14, verse 19, it says, Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side, so that neither went near the other all night long. And in verse 21, God did the miraculous. Remember, he parted the Red Sea. He divided the Red Sea as literally two million people crossed on dry land. And as soon as God's people got across, what happened? The sea closed back up over top of the entire Egyptian army. All of those chariots, all those horses, all of those men never came out of the sea. Now we later read of times, read of times that God's presence would go ahead of the Israelites and fight for them and protect them. How God was always present and how he never left his place. And as we read that brief passage together, I could see it in the eyes of these middle school students. Something clicked they weren't just in awe of the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire, which was a miracle in and of itself, but the reality struck them as sixth, seventh, and eighth graders that if God was present then, that he's present today. It was as if they could see that cloud or that fire right there in the shelter house with them. They began to recognize and see the ways that God was with them right there in their school. That they could see that God was with them in the good times of their life and in the challenging circumstances of their life, all of which we spent the next 30 minutes talking about. It was amazing. Now, I want you to think about it. While there are so many voices clamoring for our attention, it's God who is ever present, it's God who is there to lead us in the way we should go. God is literally in front of me. He is behind me. He is beside me. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, he is inside of you to lead us in the way that we should go. And he's opening the Red Seas that, that seem to have trapped us, whether it's the Red Sea of your, your past that's stomping right on your, your heels, whether it's Depression and anxiety that's covered you like a cloud. God is there to split that wide open for you. He is fighting the battles when you feel outnumbered. He's lighting the path. He's lighting the path that I need to take when I'm not sure. He's exposing the dangers that lurk in the dark. All the while providing for my every need. My comfort my protection, guidance, and above all, salvation. We began our journey together in the series. Remember five weeks ago, we began it with Abraham. 
Abraham was called by God to follow him where? To a place that he had never been or seen before. He was asked to literally leave everything behind and to go to this place to become this nation that God would build through him. His destination, how long the journey would take, what the costs and rewards would be, he didn't know any of the details, but God said go, and what did he do? He went. Now, just like Abraham, God comes to you and I. He comes to us, and he invites us to follow him. And those of you who've been following him for a while, I want you to think about it. Did you really know him the way that you know him today when you said yes to follow him? No, we didn't. I was 10 years old. Now, does that mean I need to dedicate my life to him again? Absolutely not. Does it need me to, mean I need to be rebaptized? Absolutely not. God has been faithful from the moment that I said yes to his invitation. And he has been in your life. But you didn't know everything when you set out to follow him. I still don't know everything. But as we follow him and as he leads, what does he do? He enlightens our path. His Holy Spirit reveals truth to us. When we come to an understanding that there's a God and it isn't me, and that he's extended to us the invitation that we need to follow him, we either set out on that path, as many of us did at a young age, or we hold back. Tonight, in Luke chapter 5, I want us to look at three truths when it comes to setting out to follow Jesus Christ, to let God lead our lives. Three truths, no matter your age, no matter how long you've been a believer, three truths that we need to grab hold of through a man named Peter who's given this very opportunity to follow God. Luke chapter five, verse one. One day, it all begins one day. One day, as Jesus was standing by the Sea of Galilee with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. Now, we know him as Simon Peter, or we just call him Peter. And Jesus asked him to put out a little from shore. Then Jesus sat down and taught the people from the boat. Now, Peter and his men, they've been out fishing all night. How many of you like to fish at night? Really? I, the one time I went was out at John Sarah English's before it was John and Sarah English's, way back when it was a pay lake. And a friend of mine wanted me to go out there and, and fish for catfish. We sat all night with shad gut and all that nasty stuff. You fish for those. How can you eat a fish that eats all of that stuff? I don't know. But we sat out there all night, and we didn't catch, we didn't catch a thing. Now, we had a good time, but we sat out there all night and didn't catch a thing. And that's where Peter and his men have been. They've been out all night, only they weren't doing it for fun. They were doing it for a living. This was how they took care of their families and themselves. Jesus comes up to the place where they were mending their nets. Kyle, you know about this kind of stuff, don't you, from your time in Florida? Mending their nets, thinking about their catch that they didn't have last night. And they hear Jesus talking to the crowd. And, and that's okay. Many of us have been there in our lives. We've heard people talking about Jesus, maybe talking to him. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, 
Peter feels Jesus right up there next to him. And he realizes that Jesus is actually talking to him. And what does he ask Peter to do? Hey, Peter, you mind if I get on your boat? You mind if I borrow it a little bit? I want you to put out a little bit from shore so that I can stand and I can talk to this whole crowd, kind of like an amphitheater, right? And so Peter says, well, you're already on the boat, right? I guess. So let's do it. And this is the first crossroad we come to in letting God lead the way in our life is we realize that God's invitation is personal. It's personal. Peter had to decide in that moment how he was going to respond. Jesus was no longer just talking to the crowd. Jesus was talking to Peter. And at some point in your life and mine, we realize that God and his word, this Bible, has been talking to you. Not just your preacher, not just your mom and dad or your grandma and grandpa, but you. His teachings aren't just for your children, like this story. It's not just for your kids. They are for you and for me. His presence and his lead isn't just for everybody else. It's for my life. It's necessary for me. I also want you to notice this wasn't a coincidence that Jesus and Peter were here at the same time. This wasn't karma. This was predestined. This was one of those days that God had written in his book before one of them came to be. It was the day that Peter would have a face-to-face -face with Jesus Christ. And this wasn't any more coincidence that Jesus shows up at that particular hour any more than it is a coincidence that you showed up here tonight and that you're hearing this message or that you tuned in online and, and this message is about God's invitation being personal to you. What Jesus had to say to the crowd, he was saying to Peter, and what Jesus has to say to Peter, he has to say to you and to me. So what happens when God speaks directly into our life like he did Peter's? Look at verse 4. Jesus looked at Peter and he said in verse 4, Peter, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now, I love Peter. Peter always just says it the way it is. And that's the way I am. I get in trouble a lot when I do that. But Peter responded just like many of you would respond, only he said it out loud. He didn't say it on Facebook later. He said it out loud. There you go, a little punch back at you. I've got this, Jesus. Whatever you're going to suggest that I do, right, I've already tried it. I know this lake better than, than anyone. Verse 5, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But it wasn't about the fish any more than it is about whatever it is that you've done with your life in the past. Jesus's personal invitation is about you deciding who's going to lead and who's going to follow. That's what it boils down to. Jesus comes and extends an invitation directly to you and to me, friends. He says, put out into deep. Open your life up to me, and I'll show you life. You let me lead the way. 
It's at this crossroad where God meets us right where we are. You've heard that said, God meets us right where we are. He certainly did meet Peter there. And depending on our response, he'll make the next move. This is what God does in his great grace. We see it throughout the Bible from Noah to Abraham to Joseph to Peter to you and me. God comes to us right where we are, right there on that fishing dock, right there in that pew, right there on that couch, right there in that bar seat. When someone comes up to you, not with a drink in their hand, but with a word of encouragement that came from God, he comes to us right where we are and exactly how we are, and he offers us the opportunity to do things his way. I want you to write that down. When God comes to me with his invitation, he isn't, as David said last week, he, he isn't saying, hey, can I sit there on that love seat with you for a little while? He's saying, hey, you come with me. You come and you do things like this for a while. I'm going to lead. You're going to follow. And let's see what happens. Peter's response in verse 5, But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. Now you talk about a good mantra for your life. Because you say so, God. Just think about how your life would change or how it would be different today if you had chosen to say this some time ago. Because you say so, God, I'll, I'll love my wife. I'm going to love her no matter what. Because you say so. Not because I want to or don't want to, which varies by the hour. But because you say so. Because you say so, God, I'll give you the first and the best. You know, if you'd listen to God, I wouldn't have to bring it up every once in a while. Because you say so, God, I'll give you the first and the best. Because you say so, God, I'll forgive those who disappoint me. Because you say so, God, I'll trust you when those around me waver. Because you say so, God, I'll do it. This is the normal. This is the normal that God is inviting us to. This is the normal that God's inviting Peter to. Every step of the way, as we obediently follow his lead, we discover that God is what? That he's good. That he's faithful. I love it when our prayers get answered the way we want them to. Right? What's the first thing that we post on Facebook? God sure showed up today. Friends, God's there every day. Not just when you like it, but he's there every day. And the only way that you're going to know that is by being obedient to him every day. In the little things and in the big things. When things don't go your way. And when they do. We discover that God's good, that he's faithful, that he's ever-present, that he's powerful, that he's gracious, that he is aware, and he's always on time. Taste and see. Let down your net. The psalmist said, taste and see that God is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. 
who follows him, who stays with him. I think this is an important aspect here. Verse 6 says, when they let down their nets, when they did what Jesus commanded them to do, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. The unexpected happened, right? Jesus filled their empty nets. This man, this preacher who knows nothing about fishing in Peter's mind, who tells him what he thinks that he already knows, he lines his life up with Jesus. Right off the bat, he does what Jesus commands him to do, even though it went against Peter's common sense. And what does God do? He fills his net. The unexpected happens. And I want us to pause right here because this is where we want to stay. We want to stay in this part of the story when our nets are full. When God's blessing us in ways that feel good and that sound good and that look good to us. But many times, as he fills our nets, we need help. Peter. Peter had to call for help, and his help came the catch of fish, it says, threatened to not only destroy the nets, but sink Peter's boat and the boat of his friends, James and John. And this is the second truth I want you to hold on to. As you set out to answer God's personal invitation to let him lead. And that is allowing God to lead my life results in unfamiliar blessing. Not just the blessing you define, but the blessing God defines, which is unfamiliar to us. Unfamiliar blessing. Blessings that are sometimes costly. Anybody ever set out to follow Jesus, let him lead your life and your friendships change? I often warn young ministers or those that are going into ministry for the first time because it's happened to me and it's going to happen to them, it happened to Jesus. Those of you who, those who encourage you and say, hey, this is where you need to be. I'm so glad God brought you here. They're often the first to turn coat and leave you there. Why? Because you change, or at least in their eyes, you changed. But that's what happens when we let God lead our lives, right? He changes us. Some people don't like that, but it's a blessing. Trust me. Friendships change. How others view me changes. Anybody's finances changed after you let God lead you? It changes two ways. At first, at first it's like, man, that hurts. That's a house payment every month. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> you realize that the numbers don't add up at all because he provides for your every need in ways that you never imagined that he could. Sometimes it's an extra, extra refund. Sometimes it's somebody taking you out to eat. Sometimes it's, it's as simple as, as deposits that you never, you never made. Allowing God to lead results in unfamiliar blessings. And if we're really transparent with ourselves, if you look back at your old normal, haven't most of the time you asked God to join your party instead of you joining his? <laughs> Hasn't that been how it is? Jesus Christ 
so that when we set out to follow him, it's just the opposite of him joining our party. He says, come take up your cross, your cross, and follow me. Follow me. He's calling us to be willing to suffer anything and forsake everything, to love those who have cheated us and disappointed us, those who disagree with us politically and practically and fundamentally. His calls to give, even to the point of offering up our lives as what? A living sacrifice to him. In verse 8, Peter's overwhelmed with what's happening in his life. <laughs> He's overwhelmed by it all. He's got this miraculous catch. His boat is about to sink. His, his friend that he invited along is about to sink. Verse 8 says, he realized he was in the presence of someone more than a great teacher. He was in the presence of God. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Get away from me, Lord. Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Now, there's a couple things to notice here, right? First, first, Peter had referred to Jesus just moments ago, before the miracle. He referred to Jesus as master, teacher, rabbi. But now what's Peter calling? The Lord. The Lord. Peter's encounter with Jesus points us to the convicting power of God's presence. God's presence confronts. God's presence confronts the areas of my life that aren't holy and fully set apart. Consecrated. Given over. Only for him. When you and I get on the boat with Jesus, when we say yes to his invitation to lead, and our lives start lining up with his plans and his commands, it becomes real in a hurry. It's not just this moment right here. It's in the moments that follow when it becomes so real that we really are in the presence of the Lord. And that's humbling it's frightening. Why is it frightening? Because we're convicted of the times that we were in charge. <laughs> and we're like, oh, wow, it's by the grace of God that he let me live through that. Our disobedience. And we either respond one of two ways. We either say, Jesus, move away from me. It hurts too much to think about how lost I was. Or Jesus, forgive me and shape me and lead me. Look at how Jesus responded to Peter. Peter, who had his face buried in Jesus' feet at this point, says in verse 10, don't be afraid. Fear's a natural response, Peter. Fear, it causes us to bristle. Fear can cause us to withdraw, to be hesitant, to overreact, to underreact. Lord knows we've had enough fear. But notice, Jesus understands this when he said, don't be afraid. But he didn't just say, don't be afraid, you fool. He said, don't be afraid. And then he spoke the vision into Peter's life just as he speaks the vision into your life and mine. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what's next. Verse 10, from now on you will catch men. And those of you who have gone this far in your relationship with God to let him lead you to that point let me tell you, that moment is as powerful as God lighting up the sky with his presence. 
It's as powerful as looking up and seeing the Shekinah glory of God, right? In the cloud or in that pillar of fire. To allow God to lead us with purpose and meaning for our life. Even taking our past circumstances. I don't know if you realize this or not, but Dan Wiglub, Dan, who plays guitar up here. It's so good to have a young man with hair join us over here. But Dan, this is Dan over here. Dan has been with us four years this year. Isn't that incredible? I mean, you can look. It's really aged him. He looked like he was 20 when he came. But no, Dan's been with us four years. Now, act like you're happy about that. Right. It's okay. Corona doesn't spread by clapping. It's safe. You can clap all you want to clap. But listen, out of all of Dan's life experiences, and I'll leave it to him to tell you his life story one of these days, he's begun sharing it with different ones of us. Dan wasn't always a Christian. Dan wasn't always living in a way that honored God. In fact, he'll tell you it was just the opposite. Dan has recorded for some of the most famous artists that there are in Nashville as he spent early part of his career. That's what he was educated in, was mixing sound and producing people. That's what he did. And it wasn't until this virus struck, and in March we knew that we had to go online. Now, we've always put our services out there pre-recorded, and, and they, they were okay. But we recognized that if we were going to reach out to people through this, we had to go big. And Dan led us through the way of going big, didn't he? He did a great, great job putting all of that together. And he didn't say it to me, but he said it to one of the other guys. And I'm glad that they told me. But Dan, Dan made this profession, this confession to them. He said, I feel like all, all of the things of my past, all the experiences that God has allowed me to have, good and bad, that God brought it all together for such a time as this. And I couldn't have agreed more. So glad you're here, Dan. So glad you are here. From now on, you will catch men. Verse 11, Peter and his companions, they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything and followed Jesus, left everything and followed. Peter and his friends, they left the miracle of the moment for the next blessing, for the next challenge that God had in store for their life. This is what it is to let God lead the way. To truly let God lead the way is to follow him with no strings attached. I want you to think about the strings that you still have attached to you. Whether it's your mommy and your daddy's apron strings, your purse strings, whatever strings that you've allowed to be tied to you. Peter and his friends left everything to not only say, but to demonstrate with your complete obedience and faithfulness, God, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I trust you to lead the way you lead and I'll follow. Now, I wouldn't be complete in this message without giving you this last piece. And it's in Luke chapter 9. Just turn a couple chapters over to verse 57. Jesus interacts with three people who heard the very same invitation. The very same invitation. If anyone would follow me, he must take up his cross, deny himself, 
and follow me. Verse 57 of chapter 9 of Luke says, As they were walking along the road, this is Jesus and the disciples, as they were walking along the road, a man said to Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. Notice he says, I'll follow you wherever. I'll follow you without reservation. No matter what, I'll follow you. Verse 58, Jesus says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. Sounds like a weird poem to me. But the son of man has no place to lay his head. What's he saying? He is pointing to the reality that following God's lead isn't going to be comfortable. It's not going to be comfortable. When you let God lead the way, you're going from this normal to a new normal. And change makes us all uncomfortable. Jesus painted this man a picture of what commitment looks like. And it seems that the man backs off. We no longer hear about him. In John chapter 6, there were those who wanted to follow Jesus, but weren't willing to let him lead. In verse 59, we meet man number two. He said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Now, now we think that that's reasonable to go and take care of things at the funeral home. But, but the reality is this man had never died, this man's father. He hadn't died yet, probably wasn't even sick. What's he saying? He's saying, well, let me get everything in order, right? Let me finish living this season of my life, and then I'll follow you. Jesus' response was, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. The third man was similar in verse 61. Still another said, I'll follow you, Lord. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. Now, two words I want you to notice. Two words in both of these instances. The word Lord and me. Word Lord and me. Both... Both of these men put Jesus off. I, I want to follow you, I really do, but, but not right now. Now isn't a good time. We treat following Jesus' lead, God's lead in our life, like we do a diet. We'll, we'll do that next week, right? We'll start that next week. We'll start this when it's, when it's more comfortable. Now's not a good time. When we get through this pandemic and it's safe again, then we'll follow you. When we, when we get through ball season, Tell you what's happened over the last six months to all of those excuses. They've all been taken away. They've all been taken away. But letting God lead means that we deny self. It means that we deny self. It means that we trust him. It means that we put out into deep. The deep, the place that we've not been before, the place that's a little bit unknown, the place that puts us on edge and causes us to want to hold on to him, no strings attached. What God provided to the Israelites through the pillar of cloud and fire was miraculous. And boy, that night, those students were just enthralled by that. And I think for some of them, it made a difference. 
I've seen some of them now going off to college and there the reality that God is with them has made them all the stronger. But there's no pillar of fire anymore. There's no cloud by day because what God provides to you and I through Jesus is even greater, right? We have his literal spirit, a part of God living inside of us. He purposes us, he equips us, he calms us, he empowers us, and most importantly, he leads us. And his instructions are still the same. Follow me. Don't invite me into your life. Accept my invitation to be your savior. Peter would later say, as he saw so many, including these three men along the road, but he saw so many say, Jesus, it's too much. We can't follow you. Peter recorded these words of his own. He said to Jesus, to whom would we go? You have the words of eternal life. <laughs> Friends, there's nowhere else to go for what you and I were created for and what we need than to Jesus Christ. Will you open up your life to him? Will you surrender your life to him by going into the deep waters of baptism? They're so deep that they separate you from your sin that God remembers no more. Will you leave behind the torn nets of your life and exchange them for his spirit, his presence that will lead you and guide you? Will you look for him in your situation today, believers? And will you follow him no matter what? No matter the risk, no matter the disappointments, no matter the changes in relationships, will you follow him? Will you follow his command to be a vested part of his family, the church? Will you follow him so that whatever fear you're living in, you can finally have the peace and the hope and the assurance that comes only in following him? Let's stand and let's pray. Father, tonight, thank you for your word and thank you for your invitation that was good for Peter and is good for us today. We're grateful for your patience with us, that you would wait, that none of us would perish. Father, we want to follow your lead. We want to stand in your light, be out of the darkness. So confront us now, Lord. Confront us now with those things that we let stand between you and us. And as we put out into deep, Father, bless us. Reveal yourself to us. Let us know you more. We love you. But it's your love that we respond to. Amen. Come tonight. Let's take that next step together.